Welcome to the Scandinavian Mind podcast. I'm Connor Olson, founder and editor-in-chief of Scandinavian Mind. My guest today is Carl Oskar Lavacek, CEO of Ocean Sky Cruises. Ocean Sky Cruises is a Swedish-based aviation company that seeks to disrupt air travel through the reinvention of LTA, lighter-than-air technology. Almost a decade after the Hindenburg disaster that sank an entire airship industry of its time, Ocean Sky seeks to bring back the technology, which of course is far better for the environment than traditional air travel. An airship can save 90% of the energy used compared to an airplane, and the remaining 10% can be fossil free. The maiden trip planned for 2024 are luxury cruises from Svalbard to the North Pole. In this conversation, Carl Oscar talks about why bringing back old technologies is not a new thing. The safety of lighter than air technologies, how airships are more similar to traveling on water than on airplanes, and why Ocean Sky are starting out in the luxury space. This conversation is part of Change Makers, a series of podcasts, panel talks, and live interviews produced in collaboration with the Swedish participation at Expo 2020 Dubai. The Scandinavian Mind podcast is a bi-weekly show about the intersection of lifestyle and technology. Don't forget to sign up to our newsletter to stay updated on the latest news and learn about upcoming talks and events. Visit scandinavianmind.com newsletter. Here now, my conversation with Carl Oskar Lavacek. Enjoy. All right, so I'm here with Karl-Oskar Lavacek, CEO of Ocean Sky Cruises. Karl-Oskar, thank you so much for speaking to me. Thank you. Thank you for coming. Let's get right into it. Uh, airships. Uh, I think many people are like scratching their heads, wondering what are we bringing those back? Uh, I'm sure you get this question a lot, but just, just start right, right off the bat. Why airships? Why, Why airships? Now? It's a good question, <laughs> relevant one, right? Uh, so, what the climate crisis, I think, I mean, I'm, I'm starting the conversation maybe a little bit broader picture. Sure. What is the climate crisis really about? Mm. It's really about energy. We have an energy crisis because more than, I think, even 80% of the total energy production in the world today is fossil fueled. Mm. So, if you remove... 80% because that's what the world is basically wanting to do. Mm. They want to remove 80% of the energy production. What's left is 20. So how are we going to live off of 20% of energy that we're used to? That's one fifth. So we need, obviously we need on the production side, we need lots of more renew, renewable energy production equipment. Mm. On the consumption side, we need more efficient technology. And that's where airships comes in. Airships are extremely efficient in terms of unit, energy per unit transported. So it just belongs in the future. Because in the future, where energy is scarce and probably expensive, we need energy efficient solutions and, and, and technology just like Hyperloop belongs in the future because it's energy efficient. Mm. Uh, also, before we get into it, and I'm, um, I have so many questions about how you got into it and, and uh, the concept you are developing, uh, but sort of to piggyback on my first question, I think a lot of people in the sort of scratching their heads category think about Hindenburg, you think about these old uh, um, sort of disregarded kind of technologies, right? Mm -hmm. uh, so is there anything you want to say right there, talk about the security of this, just to, to get that right of, uh, out of the way? Yeah, well, you know, we... We, we often have, uh, we often bring back technologies of the past. That happens all the time. We had uh, uh, windmills, you know, in the, in the, back in the history. Now we call them uh, po uh, wind power stations, right? right? Uh, we had electrical cars in the 1900, beginning in 1902. We had electric cars, now we call them Teslas. Mm. Uh, and, and also even with the electrical scooters, Actually, 
was after the war we had not electrical scooters but uh, uh, gas-driven scooters um, in, in the I think it was uh, after the first world war mm. uh, so uh, so in in the case of airships uh, bringing back the airships it was a wonderful technology the problem is that nobody knows anything about lighter than air technology and they only refer to Hindenburg and that you know bulb of fire that consumed it uh, that's a very very small piece of the history and mm. uh, if we you know reverse to the beginning of the 1900s when Ferdinand von Zeppelin actually started to develop airships it took him you know 30 years or more to actually get to the Hindenburg um, size airships which was the last and the largest airships ever built uh, and and obviously uh, you know that was something like the 120th or 130th it had had the number 129 but it, it meant that 100 it was an 129th airship built mm. but it's not true because some some of the airships were never built but had a number so anyways but it's more than 100 airships i can built. tell you you've nerded out on this yeah. you, you know about that it's a good detail right <laughs> yeah, there yeah, yeah. so anyways so you don't build a hundred and something airships just because you know you, you liked it or you thought it was fun it was an industry mm. it was producing something it was charging for it and it was successful it flew passengers cut uh, the cross-atlantic from five days to two days uh, shaved off three days from an atlantic crossing in the 1930s and they did that on schedule so it wasn't like oh we'll see when we get there it's not a hot air balloon it was a scheduled flight back and forth they flew to they flew around the world they flew around the arctic and did research they flew to uh, to uh, uh, south america to rio de janeiro uh, on scheduled flights to, from from into Germany. I mean, this was an industry. Although it was an industry for the rich and the famous, and and you know, very high and expensive tickets, it was something that was a self-supporting industry. And that airline that was the world's first airline in the, I mean, uh, absolute first one, called Delag Deutsche Luftschifffahrt, Aktiengesellschaft. Uh, so it was. <laughs> Uh, 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 a German um, limited company started in 1910 and they didn't have one single casualty for 27 years until the Hindenburg crashed in 1937 killing only 36 mm. if we compare with the Titanic that you know a thousand people lost their lives but we didn't stop going by boat no because the and 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 the explanation that I would give to somebody that, you know, how could one accident kill an industry? Because it was filmed. One that maybe the only catastrophe ever filmed, well, it was the only one mm. because that's cameras that's were, yeah. were quite new at that time. And it, it, it just made, made, made a psychological um, uh, limitation for people to under. To, 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 uh, to, to see airships as a safe travel after that. So it killed the industry. Then on top of that, World War II started. And on top of that, it was a German technology. And on top of that, uh, German or, or, or warfare uh, was not suitable for, for, for big, huge giants in the sky. They were never a, a military success. Mm. But airplanes were developed because they were a military success. So airplanes were developed just after that, or well, it's you know, um, uh, and and transatlantic and everything came in the 30s and 40s, etc. So it, it and running on cheap oil, where energy consumption was not really important factor. So that kind of killed the industry. With that said, it doesn't mean that it was a bad technology. It had hydrogen also, which was a flammable gas that they, the Germans didn't want to use that, but the Americans refused to sell helium gas to the, to the Germans. 
So they had to use hydrogen. Mm -hmm. Today we use only helium. So all of that combined kind of killed the industry. Like electrical cars were killed by, you know, the range of gasoline cars coming in into the game and, you know, could, could, could offer a better product for consumers because we didn't care if it was fossil fueled. Now we care. Now it's a different story. So that's, you know, the logics behind the comeback. Good. So, so let's bring it back to, I'm sure we're going to jump back to history a little bit in the conversation, but, but let's bring it back to, to present day and your vision for it, because you're obviously betting on a comeback for, for, for airships. Uh, just overall describe the concept of, of Ocean Sky Cruises. Where do you want to begin with this? Uh, yeah. So we basically started this company more than seven years ago. And uh, we tried to analyze, and even before that, we've been interested in this for, I would say, more than 20 years, uh, the founders at least, and um, uh, trying to find out why we don't have airships, basically. <laughs> why don't we have all these beautiful, giant uh, uh, airships in the sky, which can deliver services that no other equipment, aerial equipment can do? Like, they can do work that helicopters can't do because they can go far heavy voluminous cargo etc and they can uh, they, they, they don't need a runway right so coming from the aviation sector and especially cargo sector uh, this was just a no-brainer like we could sell the services of this and then if it has a very low footprint it's just amazing right why don't we have it so it took us a while to figure out and the answer is basically the risk and reward is not in balance for private capital. So what's, what, what has dr driven this development in LTA to, till today is basically military budgets because they can spend money without caring about the return on the mm. investment. Mm. Private capital cannot. So private capital has to see a return and that return has to be quite substantial and before because you have to invest all this money right and uh, it was the same for electrical cars i mean electrical cars had a very high unit cost when they brought it to the customer so you you have to find an angle how you're going to charge the customer for that uh, whatever that value is you know you have to find that value so what we figured out was what's missing in this p in this big puzzle of lighter than air technology industry is a business model that actually can show the demand of airships. So that's how experiential travel and ocean sky cruises came to be. If we combine all the great benefits of an airship, which is, you know, comfort, silence, beautiful view, you can go to places you can't reach with other vehicles, uh, cleanliness, or cleanliness is a bad word, uh, efficiency and, 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 and zero emission, you know, that's easily sold with airships. Mm. Zero emission is not really a, a, a big challenge for airships. It's a challenge for airplanes, but not for airships. Um, and this romantic past, also like a twist to the whole thing, like mm. the saga. We, we end up with ocean sky cruises and, 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 uh, and, uh, and, uh, and great experiential travel, basically. Okay, so on that note, talk about the, the vision for the concept. I'm sure uh, Airships has, as you mentioned, uh, other uh, use cases, perhaps yeah. further down the road. You're betting on this sort of experiential uh, um, uh, traveling in the sky. Uh, so, so talk about the concept. I've seen some wonderful, uh, you know, conceptual photos on your website. Yeah. Uh, it's about traveling up uh, to the North Pole and sort of this distant, distant uh, locations that you mentioned. Um, talk about the details. What will it cost? Who will you bring? Okay, sure, sure. So basically we chose the North Pole because there's, a, I think, a, a very coherent story with the North Pole. It's a very hard to reach point. Mm. So when we land an airship on the North Pole, we make a statement like, look, an airship can, ta an airship can take you there in only you know, uh, 15 hours which no other vehicle can replicate. It's impossible, you know, helicopters can't go that far and you need a huge uh, um, atomic driven 
uh, icebreaker to get there in seven days or mm -hmm. something like this, right? So we're making a big uh, statement for the technology. Then uh, North Pole is also ground zero for climate change, as most people know. And, uh, and, and that fits into the whole profile of, of, of bringing a sustainable technology to aviation. And um, the, the other pillar or the other twist to the story is that North Pole has a very special place in the history of lighter-than-air technology or airships. It was discovered by, or it was reached by an airship okay. in 1926. On the, I think it was the 12th of May <laughs> or 14th. Well, Again, details. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Roald Amundsen, mm -hmm. who reached the South Pole in 1911. And this, this is very, like, if you read the books of these people and, and the era of that time, it was a huge race to re reach the South Pole. Uh, and, and it was a, was a huge race for several decades to reach the North Pole. And uh, we have August Andrea from Stockholm that wanted to fly a balloon to the North Pole, right? That was a little bit earlier, in the beginning of the 1900s. Um, the famous Andrea Expeditionen who... Exactly, exactly, which is familiar probably in Sweden because mm. there's been some talk in, that, in the media about that. And, and, and that was just uh, showing the prestige and the, 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 the will to get to the North Pole because it was the last white spots on the, on the, on the map, right? And they couldn't it's do like it. It's space, space technologies today. Right? Yeah, it's like the moon mm. race. Or, or, um, and, and they tried everything. I mean, they tried a balloon, they tried a, a, a boat, they tried uh, skis, they tried um, uh, even airplane. Just a couple of days before Norge, which is a Norwegian, uh, Norge is the name of the airship they mm. used, built in Italy. Where, uh, just a few days before, they tried to reach the North Pole with, with planes, with airplane, uh, Dornieval. Uh, so it was a huge race and a lot of prestige. Uh, but it's a beautiful story that Norge actually was the first one to reach the North Pole in 1926, uh, hosting then uh, Nobile, uh, Umberto Nobile, who was designer mm -hmm. of the airship built in Italy. And they departed from Rome and went their way through Europe and then Svalbard as a final point. And the mast is still there in Ålesund, the, the, the airship mast. The hangar is gone. Um, and uh, and uh, Roald Amundsen, the Norwegian explorer. And then, then there was an a, um, American tycoon on board called Ellsworth, Lincoln Ellsworth, that funded the expedition together with the Norwegian Aeronautical Society, which therefore uh, the, the name of the airship is Norge. Mm. Mm. So, um, so it has this beautiful story to it, and it was a successful uh, launch uh, expedition. Anyways, back to your question. <laughs> so uh, what we're doing, we're replicating that, uh, but we're landing on the North Pole. So okay. we're going to get off on the North Pole. They couldn't do that with that day's technology. They didn't have swiveling engines and they didn't have that mm. kind of advanced technology and electrical propulsion and everything that we're going to use, hopefully. Um, uh, so it, it's, a, it's, it's a commemoration to that expedition, but on the same time an, a statement of this new technology's capabilities. Of course, it's price. It's 200,000 euros per cabin. So it's 100,000 euros per ticket. Mm. It's two people in each cabin. For how long a flight or, or a trip? It's a 36-hour return trip. Mm -hmm. And of course, we're gonna, we, we build it in with a, with, a, with a week in Svalbard or eight days in Svalbard. And you yeah. do all, all these nice things that you can do in Svalbard. It's quite, uh, quite extraordinary landscape. Uh, I flew in there for, for many, many years as a cargo pilot. And um, uh, so, yeah, basically the, the, the trip or the expedition is about, you know, being one of the first ones in the world that does something completely unique, like space travel. It's very unique. There's not that many astronauts in the world. Now they can't call themselves hmm. astronauts. But we can call ourselves aeronauts because <laughs> that's the correct word. Really? Yeah, it's amazing. <laughs> Aeronaut is a passenger or crew 
on board an airship or okay. a hot air balloon or anything balloonish. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, uh, yeah, I mean, it would be an extraordinary experience because it'll be a quiet helicopter ride. You can look out the window and you'll fly, we'll fly low and slow. So you can look at the window, you can follow what happens on the ground. If you see a polar bear, you will see the polar bear. It's not like a little dot, you know, over there very far away. We can actually go even, we can probably go down and look at it even closer. Uh, and it will be quiet because of the amount of energy used by airships are about three to four percent to an airplane hmm. and even less to a helicopter. So but just a few super specific questions then. How, how, how long can you be up in it, so, so to speak? How long is the ride because, before you have to go down? And how sensitive is it to uh, weather wind. and wind, and wind and that? Because that. it's a big thing, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a big thing in the sky yeah. and it flies low. And I would imagine, the, you know, the, the reasons air, airplanes work is basically they fly fast and they get up uh, sort of above the weather. Mm, yeah, it's true and not true. Let's, I'm, I'm, well, I'm a layman here talking uh, to yeah. pilots. I'm, I'm, I'm on deep waters. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, well, airships can can loiter around for, for, for days. Really? Yeah. Depending on which airship we're going to use, I mean, we have several options. Mm. And, uh, and basically, our mission is to get the first, uh, the first commercially uh, certified airship to go to the North Pole. That's suitable for, 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 for uh, our purposes, mm. obviously. Uh, and we can outfit it the way we want. But that, that's a mission Ocean Sky has as, a, as the first milestone, right? Um, but basically, it can stay aloft for, for days. I mean, uh, we have a mission statement internally in Ocean Sky for 48 hours. Like, we want to design, because we also design ashes, because we have a, a design team in, in-house, uh, which is amazing because it's, it's, it's basically, it's amazing because it hasn't been done for 85 years. <laughs> so it's a new... It's a new design, so the designers are scratching their heads. New and the, design discipline, right? Yeah, it's a new design discipline. But we have aeronautical design married with yacht design. Mm. So we're putting this together and we're designing the interior of airships, not the exterior. Not so the, is that kind of the type of experience one is looking at? Uh, is a yacht a good reference yeah, point in terms yeah. of the experience inside? Yeah. Uh, because it, compared to an airplane, you can actually move around much more, right? We're more than, than, you, than a ship. Than yeah. an airplane. Yeah. You have like a, a like a, a ho- like a hotel room or mm. like kind of like a suite in exactly. the sky. That's, exactly. that's the concept. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, it's 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 probably as uh, driving it or flying it mm. is more uh, flying a ship. I've flown the simulators. Mm. It's more like a ship. Um, a ship in the sky. It, it was actually called in the old days ocean liners of the sky, mm. but it falls on the re- the regulatory wor- uh, um, the regulatory framework of of flying vehicles. Mm. So it's more of an airplane in that sense. But that's the only sense, you know, that it's actually more closer to aviation than anything. Um, in terms of experience, it's like a flying yacht for sure, uh, and and space is important because space is luxury. If you have space, this is not luxury. And mm. uh, um, when you sit in an airplane seat, you know, uh, you're gonna have your own space, your own private suite. You're gonna have your own bathroom. You're gonna have uh, common areas like lounges and restaurants and stuff like that. And you're gonna have big windows because it's non-pressurized. So the experience is gonna be absolutely amazing. And you can see on, on videos and. Uh, and, and photographs from the old days, from the 20s and 30s, that this is a, a, a very, a, the aeronauts on board are like friends for life. Because that connection you make with people when you're on board 36 hours in, in this incredible yacht in mm. the sky is, is something that will live for you, will live with you forever, right? Uh, so, yeah, so keeping aloft and, and, and going far. Uh, is very easy for airships because they have this low energy consumption. Mm. Um, basically, a balloon that keeps itself afloat, you just have to propel it through the atmosphere. It's very efficient. You're talking about weather as well. In yeah, weather. Sensitivity towards uh, yeah, winds. I, and I, I always play that down a little bit because uh, I think that people look at balloons and, and small airships 
and think like, oh, you know, weather is... Uh, it's not the biggest challenges. Uh, first of all, um, we, uh, we have cert cert certain weather are obviously more complicated for airships and airplanes, but also the vice versa. Like, for example, we land in 20 knots, maybe mm. tops, you know, speed, bicycle speed. Mm. Uh, airplanes land in 200, uh, sorry, 200 kilometers an hour, 120 knots. That's very fast. So they need some visibility. Airships land slow, so they don't really need that much visibility. So in that terms, we're actually better than airplanes or better limitations than mm. airships. Uh, wind, okay. Uh, yes, we're, we, we're, we're much bigger. Airships are much bigger. However, we point into the wind always. And when does wind become a problem? It becomes a problem when you're close to the ground, landing and takeoff. So you don't fly into to, to something you don't want to fly into and mm. break the, the airship. Uh, but we point into the wind, uh, while an air, airplane always have to land in the, in the runway direction. So they are more sensitive to cross, right. or not right. more sensitive, but they have crosswinds. We never have crosswinds. We point the nose into the wind. We need a circular ru uh, runway, let's say. Um, so that's one aspect of it. I, I'm not so worried about wind and, uh, and what was not, you know, what, what are challenges are, are are probably snow and ice mm. more so and in terms of, of flying lower we do have a little bit more weather but airplanes have weather on top as well but not not so far north but we when you fly on the on the close to the equator the clouds are up there and they're big clouds and they're storm clouds and you don't want to go into a storm cloud with an airplane or an airship so that's absolutely you know uh, absolutely Re restricted area, if you say. Mm. So we're going to have to cruise around the storms. Not all clouds are dangerous, right? Um, but if we encounter snow and ice, or we encounter uh, large storms and lightning, we have to circle it. But today, I mean, they did this in the 1920s and 30s, so I think we can do it today with today's technology. I mean, today we have beautiful weather radar and we're going to have the best weather radars on board obviously that can look very far and that can uh, and uh, crystallize a picture that is very accurate to what cloud it is so if they could do it in the 30s i think you know i'm pretty comfortable we're okay um also weather prediction is much much better and the North Pole is not so windy and harsh conditions. The South Pole is a bit more problematic, but that's also why we chose the North Pole. The, the, the South Pole, we want to do the South Pole, but that is a little bit more tricky because it's a continent and has higher winds. So just uh, before we, we go further, just when, when are you able to do this? When can we buy the ticket? When are you hoping to, to yeah. have liftoff? It's an estimation, yeah, of but we think 2024 or 2025, but we, we think that 2024 looks actually possible. Um, there's going to be some news, obviously, in the near future, and, uh, and we feel confident that, you know, that these estimations are, are quite good. Mm. However, certification processes are quite complicated and costly, so... Who knows? Sometimes it gets more complicated than we can account for. So you recently came back for, from an event down at the Swedish Pavilion at the World Expo in, mm. in Dubai, where you gathered uh, experts and people from uh, within this industry, this industry uh, and that are helping you uh, develop these technologies. Um, I'd love you to, to talk about a little bit what came from that event, if possible, but also came paint a picture of where where is this industry today yeah uh, uh, you mean how many companies are there how many of these ships are being built mm. uh, just where are the sort of interesting hotspots in the world I'm just curious just yeah, for anyone yeah. who doesn't know it yeah yeah so it's much further than anybody without uh, internal information let's say mm. into the industry thinks because uh, obviously, these companies cannot showcase everything because it's competition, it's everything. Um, 
and then they don't want too many questions, you know, from you guys <laughs> before they can actually feel comfortable to answer sure. them, right? So, um, um, the industry as I see, and that's also why we started Ocean Sky, because we thought we, from what we knew back then, which was a fraction of what we know today, we saw that this industry is going ahead. Mm. It's, this is going to happen. The world is building airships. It's about, you know, depending on how you count, five to ten airship manufacturers in the world. That for large-scale airships. I'm only talking to about large-scale airships. Just a side note, how big is a large-scale? We didn't so, talk about that. Just, yeah, uh, the regular big... airships that we have today that flies around, you can go down to Borden Sea mm -hmm. and do a sightseeing with Zeppelin NT. That's about 8,000 cubic meters. It's about, I think it's 75 meters long. Mm. We're talking about airships that are from 40,000, so five times bigger, up to maybe you know, 100,000. How long is that? And that, depending on the airship design, that can be 100 meters or it can be 200 meters, okay. depending on the design. Uh, so they are huge. And those are not being built today. Those are, you're hoping to build them in the future. Well, they are being built, okay. sort of, yeah. <laughs> um, they have been in the pipeline for okay. many, many years. And mm -hmm. uh, what's the definition of being built? I mean, there are some companies that are very far. There are companies that are uh, less far. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so uh, it's been a matter of funding. Uh, there are, however, big companies in the game like Lockheed Martin, for example, mm -hmm. that spent more than $150 million probably in, mm -hmm. in the development of this. It's a famous plane manufacturer. for. Yeah, it's one of the largest corporations in the world. Mm -hmm. Like it's a bit multi-billion dollar industry, mostly for defense contracts, mm. uh, or 99%. Um, yeah, there are companies that are building the hardware. There are p companies that are refining their design. So different stages. And this is hard for me to talk about because I'm, I'm, I'm restricted by NDAs. Sure. But, but like I'm saying, like 2022 will be a very interesting year. But so things are sort of bubbling under the surface yeah, in, yeah, quite, in large exactly. measures. Yeah. Uh, um, but it's a race. So it's, it's, it's basically a lot of manufacturers mm. out there that's trying to build the first airships because first mover advantage is always good, right? Mm. And, and we, we're also racing. We're trying to be the first operator on the scene operating large-scale airships. But you talked about, before we started recording, you talked about being kind of an enabler for the industry, yeah. sort of pushing the industry yeah. forward. What, what do you mean by that? And what, what are you doing that other, others aren't doing? Are you, are you talking so, more? Are you uh, yeah. visionary, visionary more? No, but we're selling tickets. Mm. So we're doing something. So we can show uh, a demand and we can show how much that demand is worth. And that's a very, very valuable industry. Uh, that demand represents, uh, compare, comparing to the hardware, we can buy, for just the profits we make, we'll be able to buy airships every other year, only for. So, I mean, it, it's a very, very valuable business case. Mm. Uh, so, by doing that, we become a credible customer to airships. Right. So we can go and say, I want to order your, your, your airship. And it's not enough to have a lot of money in the bank. It's not a lot. Uh, an airship might cost you $50 million. If I had $50 million without Ocean Sky, I wouldn't be a very valuable customer. Oh, the rich guy buying one airship. What, what does that do? No, no. I'm a company with a valid business model that can, that can scale this business model and therefore scale the industry and then not order one, but 10 or maybe a hundred airships mm. from, from the industry or from the manufacturers. That's, I think is much more valuable. Then you need the cash as well, obviously. But. Talk to me a little bit about your personal journey in this. Where you, as you mentioned before, you were uh, a pilot uh, in your profession. Mm -hmm. uh, how did you discover this idea? Where did it come from? Yeah. Uh, did, did you have it from your childhood or did it come later? <laughs> Almost. My family is <laughs> aviation family. Mm -hmm. like. um, so my father and I 
discussed a lot about aviation. And, and so where do I start? Well, basically it's easiest to start from Cargo Lifter in the 90s. Mm. Cargo Lifter was a big project that was very interesting because it raised a lot of money, but unfortunately folded before even presenting you know, the airship. But the hangar is still there, which is beautiful and very interesting piece of work outside uh, Berlin. Build so the a bridge. idea actually came from cargo ships, it being able to transport uh, cargo instead of people. Yeah, actually it did in the beginning. Uh, it did. And uh, we spent many years in, in, the, in, in, in trying to analyze that market and try to get them to commit uh, on contracts, etc. And, and, uh, uh, and it was very... It, it, it worked, but it was very slow moving. So we mm. said, and plus it, the, the, the returns were not as attractive. And we thought, no, the returns are not attractive. The, 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 um, uh, the work to do it is very, very hard and, and, and takes a lot of time. And the industry is not, they didn't like that long horizons. Uh, it was a challenge. And then we pivoted to experiential travel. Mm. So in the beginning, we had no thought of going to the North Pole with, you know, wealthy clients. No, 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 not at all. We just wanted to, to find a way to, to kickstart this industry and, and scale it. Mm. And make sure so talk about the we. Who is the, the team behind it? And what, what's, the, what's the setup in terms of ownership, if you can talk about that at all? Yeah, yeah, sure. Um, so we're four founders. Back in 2014, we were registered, but we started in 2011. It's three older gentlemen. It's uh, two, two scholars, or what do you say, like academics. Mm -hmm. And uh, it's my father and I. My father is an entrepreneur in aviation since like 40 years, probably. He's, but uh, they're now in their, um, in their 70s, most of them, I'd say. Or I think uh, one is in the 60s. And uh, um, yeah, so, so I was a younger one. So I'm pushing the, the thing because, you know, they're in the board and uh, uh, for s strategic decisions. Then when the company grew or the company went pivoted into experiential travel, we needed a lot of competence that we didn't have. Mm. So we gathered uh, designers and we gathered market experts. We gathered luxury travel um, individuals. And, uh, and we grew the team based on the, you know, the passion of, of bringing this experience to life. And then in the further, further um, uh, perspective to bring airships into commercial aviation, which was always my uh, vision and that's what, what my passion was. It's not about experiential travel, it's about, mm. you know, that. Uh, yeah, so that's... Basically, so the founders have a, a large part of the company still. It's about, I think, about 50%. Uh, and then we brought in all the team that works in Ocean Sky. I actually have a part of the company. So we're quite a strongly motivated team because we're owners and workers. Yeah. And what's the sort of uh, long-term vision? You're saying you're likening the, the, the sort of Ocean Sky cruise concept uh, as, a, as a kind of a kickoff point, a starting point, yeah. the way Tesla started with these sort of... Uh, the roadster. The, the supercars yeah. that were really expensive, and then yeah. they could sort of move yeah. uh, uh, into more commercial, commercially viable cars. Uh, where do you see this going? Are we going to travel sort of cross-Atlantic in these things? Are we going to transport sort of Amazon packages in these things? Uh, what's yeah. the vision? Yeah, so, so all of that, all of the above, but in different stages. Mm. And airships also needs to develop, uh, need development cycles. Mm. We're not going to fly passengers on the first, well, transportation of passengers right. on the first airships, large-scale airships. It's a very niche market in the beginning. I see many development stages. We need, uh, we need uh, optimization of the technology, also the economics of airships. But I see the potential because when I look at airships, it, the, the operational cost is not high. The capex is not high, mm. the capital cost. Uh, it, it's, what, what's high is the staffing because they're slower, so 
um, the staffing requires more. more. Yeah. yeah, but the energy consumption is lower. The infrastructure needed is lower. Uh, you know, all, all of these things. If we can just do the right thing here and, and be smart, I think we can break into the markets of. of I think first in my vision, but I'm not sure about which order things will come. Mm -hmm. But I think that remote logistics is a very near uh, use case where we, 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 can, um, uh, we can transport turbine blades for the wind power industry. We can, uh, we can uh, uh, transport uh, the mining industry. Is, mm. it ha has no roads to their mines, Interesting, right? Interesting, yeah. And, and all of these special remote uh, outsized logistics yeah. and outsized I mean that helicopters can't take or it's too far for the helicopter mm. it's loads of that and it pays it's really well right. paid when you talk about Amazon uh, packages that's a very Amazon don't pay much <laughs> no <laughs> and FedEx and DHL they that's the margin cost is yeah. yeah that's a very low um, value product mm. however you know we're gonna get to that too because it depends on what the world decides to do. If we want to get off, off fossil fuels, mm. we're going to get there faster. If we can accept fossil fuels for 20 years, well, we're going to compete with airplanes. And that's going to be tough to get there. Mm. Uh, passenger transport, absolutely. That would come after these cargo remote logistics and everything. And, and, and we will be able to offer Atlantic crossings, absolutely. They did it a hundred years ago, so absolutely, I have no doubt in my and, mind. And does it still take two days, or yeah, or? we can't speed up airships that yeah. much. We can, we can, we can speed up airships, but not to any, you know, not in multiples. Mm. So we can probably do instead of two days, we can probably do one and a half day. Maybe that's. I mean, I think it's super interesting to see this sort of. Alternative uh, modes of transportation, and we're sort of reevaluating uh, uh, the way we decide how to get around, right? Yeah, so, yeah. in the issue, uh, uh, one of my editors, uh, we, we talked about sort of the four pillars of, of transportation. Uh, let's see if I can remember them right, but it's like cost, time, comfort, and, and now environmental impact. Mm. And so, the first three That's have been good. what we've been talking about for, forever, right? Mm. But now people are really thinking about mm. the environmental mm. impact, and now, sort of, you know, I have friends that take the train to Milan for, mm. for like the design fair because, you know, obviously you don't have the same environmental impact. Mm. Um, so, you know, traveling for, for two days to the New York or whatever. If it's a comfortable enough experience and you know you're, you're, you're kind of signaling that you're mm. a conscious person mm. and, and you're not putting harm on the planet, mm. I can see a, a, a market for that. And mm. especially with kind of going back to trains, but trains has its own kind of uh, uh, challenges. The, the, the rails are where they are and, mm. and, uh, and uh, I'm, I'm sure there, there are some limitations there. So it's a really interesting kind of, and I always like to talk about how to open up Sometimes when you talk about these subjects, you have to kind of open up different scenarios for mm, people mm. to understand mm. uh, different ways, right? Uh, so, so that's really interesting to hear. Um, do you, but, and, and I read some of the statements and I watched some of the, the conversations you had down in, in Dubai as well, where um, you mentioned that perhaps like short, uh, short distance uh, uh, transportation will not be kind of the use case? Where, where's, the, mm. where's the sweet spot, do you mm. think, in terms yeah. of go, going somewhere? Yeah, because uh, short range transportation, let's say up to, uh, mm, let's say 500 kilometers, mm. that can be serviced by electrical airplanes. Right. Yeah. So I, 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 think, I think they have a future. I don't think it's that great and that big future, but I mean, everything is relative. Mm. If you have a, the, the whole world, then it's a huge market. But uh, it, it's only 500 kilometers. Mm. I mean, it's from here to Gothenburg. Uh, so uh, airships can provide a, a train in the sky solution. Mm. So as you say, these, these rail problems are not just in Europe. They're everywhere. And a rail goes like this, right? Yeah. And, and an airship flies like that. So the speed, the, the, the average speed of a, an airship could be almost as high as a, as a high-speed train. Mm. Of course, what's a high-speed train? Well, there's many <laughs> high-speed trains. So, but 
many visions for that as well. Yeah, yeah ex exactly. Yeah. Hyperloop is super interesting, but mm -hmm. it doesn't compete. No. Um, this is for, for low, lower dense traffic. So Hyperloop is for high dense traffic because you have to build the infrastructure and that costs a lot. Yeah. So you need to point A and B should be a, a high dense traffic zone or, or, or route. Yeah, San Francisco to Los Angeles. Exactly, something like that, perfect. Yeah. And uh, airships can do everything else, mm. which is a very, very large market. And it's flexible. So San Francisco isn't a, uh, an interesting hub anymore, which I doubt will be for the next decades. But um, uh, if it's not anymore, airships can just change it, right? But Hyperloop is stuck with its mm. infrastructure. So that's a benefit. But it's really interesting what you say about you know, comfort as a pillar. Because I think that there's a relationship between time and comfort. The, the, the less time, the less comfort you can accept. Yeah. And the more, the more time, the, the better comfort you have to have. And I think this is where airships will, will, will provide. Mm. Um, and, and just for the nerd to understand this, and I'm an economist, uh, so I look at this from an economy side. Uh, and, uh, and what's really interesting to understand is that airplanes are weight, uh, sorry, space limited. So that means the alternative costs arise when you give the passenger more space. So you have to charge for it, like mm. business class ticket or you know, one more seat is twice the cost of one seat. <laughs> airships don't work like that. They're weight limited. Their space is abundant in an airship. So you can provide, you can't put on more passengers because there's a weight limitation, but you can provide them with space. So that's a competitive advantage of any operator in, the, in, in competition with each other. If I can offer you six square meters and another guy says, you know, I offer you 10, mm. which one will you choose? Will you choose a 10? <laughs> so it's going to be in my interest to provide you with space and I can't unload more passengers. So the alternative cost is not there in terms of space. And that, you know, fast forward 10 years, that will provide a world where you have comfortable spaces and comfortable travel solutions. Yes, it will be slow, but what if you sleep on board? What if you go to Milan from Stockholm and you sleep on board and you wake up in Milan? Didn't sure. you actually work, save or, time? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah, you actually saved time because you didn't have to catch the morning flight mm. to get to Milan. Uh, you didn't have to cut your night in half just to get to Milan in the morning. Mm. You just went aboard the aircraft a little bit earlier and slept. Also, like a side note or like a curiosity, what type of ground infrastructure do you actually uh, need to, uh, you know, uh, take off and landing? Uh, can you do it anywhere? Yeah. I'm sure there are regulations for that as well. So basically, what we need is just an open field. Mm -hmm. uh, however, regulations will probably. Uh, put a little bit more demand than just an open field, yeah. right? You need some security uh, and you need some, maybe you need, uh, um, you need some uh, screening of luggage, etc. And you probably need some sort of custom control. However, these are things that I don't think so much about now because that's a later problem. Mm. First, we have to convince the world that airship is a good uh, solution to transportation. And then these things are bureaucratic problems and they will be solved by bureaucrats. <laughs> so uh, uh, we have to first, you know, m make one step in order to make the other. But I, I'm, I'm absolutely sure that we will find solution for the customs, you know. Mm. It's a very small challenge in terms, if the will is there, there is a solution for that. Mm. Yeah. We're going to wrap up soon uh, uh, and we want to be conscious of your, your time and but I can tell you can talk about this forever yeah, <laughs> and, probably. and, and uh, I, I find it super fascinating. Um, in terms of kind of the next steps, I'm, I'm sure there are things happening, uh, you know, behind the scenes in your company and things you can talk about and, and you're saying there are things going to be announced next year. Uh, but can you give some sense of, of the, the, the road marks ahead, what needs to be solved in order for, for have this, uh, you know, sort of take off in a way? Like uh, if there's an uh, insurmountable challenge or if there's... Or a, is, uh, if anything. Any know? challenge, yeah. yeah. No, I mean, 
the, the biggest challenge is basically going through the certification phase. Mm -hmm. I, I, um, I, at least for the, for, for the first airships to be launched. Mm. For an industry to be born, there are some other challenges. So depending on what, what your question is looking for, uh, then there's massive amount of fun funding. Right. I think that will come also when we actually prove the technology and prove there's a business case. So we have to do that first. But for, for getting there, for getting to the North Pole, we just need time. <laughs> yeah. uh, time for the certification phase and the building phase to complete and, all, and, and yeah, all of that, basically. But, and you're comfortable that the demand is there? Oh, the demand is there, for sure. I'm, I'm absolutely confident. Mm. Because we've shown, yeah, I mean, we, we, we've done this for two and a half years now. And yeah, we can show the demand and we can show the market value and, and that's proven, basically. So, so as a, a pilot, uh, are you excited about flying these things yourself? Oh, or? yeah, for sure. I want to do that. Yeah. Wonderful. Yeah. I like boats as well. Mm -hmm. I have my own boat and uh, I'm a skipper. Uh, so uh, I think this will be a uh, boating experience almost, right? <laughs> <laughs> Mixed to some flying, yeah. Wonderful. What are you most excited about right now that's happening in your world? Uh, I can't tell you. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, I, I mean, I'm excited about what's happening in the industry because, I mean, we're set, basically. We're a company that provides airship experience, we have our, our, our business case figured out. We, we, we just have to do more of what we're doing. Uh, so that's not really the challenge for us. Uh, but I'm, hap I'm really excited about what's going on in the, in the manufacturing side of, of things. Mm. And that's what we're betting on since day one, right? That this will be sold. I mean, I can't solve it myself. I can just contribute to something. But, uh, but that is looking really Good. Carl mm. uh, Oskar Lavashek, CEO of Ocean Sky Cruises, that hope to be flying passengers to the North Pole in 2024. Thank you so much for speaking to me. Thank you, Conrad. Nice being here. You've been listening to the Scandinavian Mind podcast with me, Conrad Olson. This show was edited by Eric Sedin. If you liked what you heard, follow us on your preferred podcast app like Spotify or Apple Podcasts. To get the latest news, insights and invites to upcoming events, sign up to our newsletter. Just go to ScandinavianMind.com to become part of our movement.